Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I'm Eric Olson. It's BC Radio Live. How you doing? Well, I hope. Had a great show last week. Spoke with Anna David, the hot young novelist and author. Don was here visiting. Lisa and Philip were away doing their well-deserved things. But uh, we are back again, and as far as I know, both Lisa and Philip will be joining us. Very excited about the second half of the show, the blog critic-specific part of the show. Uh, one of our most prolific and longtime writers, Bill Sherman, is an author with his wife, Rebecca Fox, and they have a new book out, and it is called Measure by Measure, described as a romantic romp for the fabulously fat. Well... Indeed, we'll be discussing that. But before we do that, we will be speaking with a cool newish band. They have their first CD out right now, and they are called Sugar Wall. Excited about that. Kind of continuing the tradition of some of my really favorite bands. Very jangly, a hint of rootsy, a you know, slight whiff of country, but basically straight ahead rock and roll with a jangly sort of the resurrected jangle that R.E.M. brought back from the birds in the 60s, and it's been continuing on until this very day. And Sugarwall participates uh, somewhat in that mode, certainly not derivative of any of those bands I just said, but perhaps reminiscent thereof. I'm a bit concerned because the uh, MP3 uploading isn't working, which is making my brain hurt. I think we may try something like... Uh, Something as lo-fi as me playing it over the computer and sticking the phone up to the speakers or something. I'll keep trying to get it to upload while we're speaking. But in the meantime, uh, we will be speaking with guys from the band, and I believe perhaps they are with us now. Let's you are correct. Button. I am correct! You are Yay! correct. Yay! Who is with us from Sugarwall? Uh, Rick Barry O'Dill, bass player, producer, and you there, Mitchie? Yeah, I'm here, bro. Okay. Hey, uh, Mitch Mills gets horse for the Man Sugar Wall. Excellent. Well, yeah. I've just been listening to uh, much of uh, the first CD. Really enjoyed it quite a bit. I hope I hope my uh, explanation or my description wasn't too far off from what how you guys see yourselves. Uh, you know what? We dipped in a little late. As far as I, it was, it was my bad. I, I was I was probably like a minute late on you. But <laughs> That's okay. No problem. No, I was what just saying. Did you have? Well, I say I, I I doubt if I can repeat it word for word, but uh, but I said that uh, uh, really it was sort of continuing one of my favorite traditions, which is the jangly rock and roll, you know, going all the way back really to the to the birds, and then through on through to REM and up to the present with you know all kinds of bands in between. Some of my real favorites, I'm thinking of some LA bands like you guys remember Firefall? Did you ever hear them? They were yeah, I do remember that band. Yeah, yeah. They, they were an offshoot of, uh, I think, Ultimate. Well, it was Rick Roberts from the uh, Burrito Brothers. I think he went all the way back to. And uh, anyway, uh, you know, the jangly kind of sound, kind of a bit of a power pop, a hint of country. I, I would never describe you guys as, you know, countryish or alt country or or country rock. But there's a there's a hint of it there. And uh, but but really emphasis on the on the jangly side of things and uh, and man, I love a good jangle. So that's about what I said. <laughs> Thank you. That's exactly what I went for. But the bird's compliment was really cool. Uh, it's got a lot. Of, you're right. It does have a lot of that overtones on it. 
you know, it's it's, it's certainly um, a little harder edged. In fact, I love the harder edge stuff, and and certainly sounds contemporary. But you know, it's in that sort of that vein. Uh, there's an element of power pop to it, I suppose, too. Although you guys aren't really popping out the riffs it's more the but you know there's certainly the melodies and uh and, and some nice harmonies and all that yeah i thought it was i thought it was really great so how did you guys get started what uh i guess this is a kind of a new version of the band is that right yeah, yeah. That, that's correct mitch you, mitch you can probably lay down the early part and i'll lay i'll lay down the most recent okay cool uh actually uh we we put this band together about four years ago and uh, we just never right, had, had the right chemistry with it, and uh, I, uh, one of the bass players that were coming through the revolving door of the band, m- my, me and the drummer put the band together, actually. Um, we changed bass players, and uh, Rick happened to uh, answer uh, an ad. Uh, it was a great fit for us. We took him out on a Midwest tour with us and uh, realized immediately that um, you know he was someone we wanted to add to the band as a permanent member. He just brings so much to the table. Uh, wasn't happy with the current lead singer we had, uh, knew we needed to make a change, and uh, basically decided when we brought Rick into the band full-time that we would you know, start looking for another lead singer. He happened to know Ronnie, uh, made some demos, and uh, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, we, 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 Ronnie laid down like two of the demos, and it was, it was a wrap, you know? It's like when you just know something. Right. right there. So. Right. Well, that's a good feeling, isn't it? I mean, it, it shows you. People kind of, I think music fans, who, who especially those who don't really kind of dig into the, the nitty-gritty and the nuts and bolts of, of how it's done and or, or spend a whole lot of time thinking about, you know, what the steps are that ultimately lead to uh, their favorite recordings and, and watching their favorite bands play live. But, you know... E- you, you really just don't ever know, and chemistry really is an important part of things. You can have, you know, individual people who are great at what they do, but it, it, there is, you know, that that's kind of the magic of a band. It's 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 an entity that in, incorporates or encapsulates all the individuals, and and there's got to be some sort of chemistry there, right? Yeah. Oh, amen. Yeah, I, the, I, the I, mojo. Yeah, it's everything, and uh, you know, you see it countless times with bands that. You know, bands that are successful, and then different people go off in in different directions, and and you you realize that you know, you know, like Motley Crue, for example. I just finished reading the Dirt book, and that book's fantastic. And you realize they, you know, even for whatever problems they had with each other and everything, you take Vince Neil out of the equation, and it's just you know, say what you want about it, but it's just not the same band. It's, it's right. all about chemistry. Yeah. Well, look at the whole Van Halen thing, right? I mean, yeah. I I love. Montrose. I loved. Uh, I think they had two albums that uh, Sammy Hagar was on. Their first two albums, and sure. that was a great hard rock band. Some of my favorite hard rock riffs, and his vocals are great on that. But man, he just never fit Van Halen, as far as I'm concerned. David Lee Roth may be a clown, but man, he was Van Halen's lead singer. And yeah. you know, I tried hard to like Sammy, and and uh, you know, it just just never was the same yeah totally i agree i agree totally all right so so as far as influences i i'm it sounds like i put a lot of words your guys mouth start start telling you what you sound like but but who are some of your favorites and and you know how how do you think your your sound came about wow you want me you want to take that rick you want me to you you can take that one Mitch. <laughs> well the, the band 
you know, our sound came about, I think, mainly because of each individual in the band, because we all have such different, uh, you know, diverse influences. I mean, the drummer and I are more, we lean more towards a, a, a more of a, a rock type element than Rick and Ronnie. Uh, I mean, I can speak for the drummer, but I know, you know, my influences are very similar to him. Uh, we love uh, the faces. Uh, we love. Uh, Old, you know, Aerosmith, the old Aerosmith. Uh, you know, uh, we love, uh, you know, uh, the Black Crows. We like bands like that. Those are the bands that influenced us the most uh, to want to, you know, be able to, uh, you know, write great songs, but also be, you know, master our instruments. Um, me as a guitar player, my dad was a country uh, ace session guitarist out of Nashville. So a little bit country hint that you're hearing is probably from years being around him and just picking up on little things that he did. Um, he actually... I tune the guitars very different than probably any guitar player out there today, which you know it is doing something very unique, and that's where you're hearing the bird influence. And it's not that I'm playing a 360 Rickenbacker all the time; it's just the tuning of the guitars are very odd. How do you do then that? You but I'm, I'm curious how yeah. how do you tune it? You know, it's different different things. I, I sat down. There's no rhyme or reason uh, on how I do this, but I sat just down. close your eyes and start. Spinning the head there. I, I, I do. I, I, I you know, uh, we got two songs. Uh, one's goodbye, and one's called Find Away. Actually, the title track of the record, and the uh, the the whole the whole guitar is tuned to like a C sharp. I mean, you know, type of element. So it's basically one big C sharp. And but if it if you look at it and you you look out at it how it would be tuned in a in a in a way that would be you know the proper way to tune the guitar. It's not there. It doesn't make any sense, any rhyme or reason. It actually boxes me in and makes me have to play a certain way. But in that being boxed in and roped in, it makes me be a little bit more unique, and you just don't hear it come around. The flavor changes things. And then when you bring Rick in, who comes from more – I'll let Rick explain to you what he comes from. Yeah, I'm, 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 <laughs> Go ahead and take it, Rick. I'm, I'm actually like old – I mean, my major influences are Motown and old soul and um, anything, anything – anything soul oriented is, is kind of, is kind of my thing. And so, um, uh, you know, what was funny is even we're working with Mitch on the record, you realize even going and playing live, you know, we've, we, he carries seven different guitars to play a 11 song set, you know, it's just because they've got, they're all tuned differently. So, um, you know, and, and, and you're, you, you, you need, you either need a guy, you know, completely tuning guitars, which generally that's not, you know, you can have a guitar ready side stage for the next song that's nothing nothing really new but to completely change the tuning of a guitar of a guitar the way mitch does it in such a way to where you almost need it to be set up you know from a from a setup standpoint for that tuning you don't just you know decide to do that on a whim and expect it to kind of really stay in tune so it's right it, it's uh it, it's, it's a pain is what it is it, and, it, and you really, don't want to look really at his fingers do you yeah it, it, when you're it, playing, it, you don't want to look at those fingers because, man, you'll get confused. <laughs> I, I've done very well with that. I, you know, I've I've set all the guitars up. I've I've been spent years of collecting vintage guitars, so I got a, you know just a big array of vintage stuff, and I use certain guitars for certain you know for certain tones. And with those tunings, as Rick was telling you, that I can actually take it live and with a four-piece band you know it's a little bit of a pain sometimes to change the guitars in and out but what i get out of it is a uniqueness that i think that actually not along you know along with everybody else doing their thing 
it just puts a, a different stamp on us, and 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 you just don't you just don't really see it with anyone else out there, and and I think that's that that's a big part of you know when I wrote these songs before they came in and helped me do the rewrite they come in and did their rewrites on what they wanted to change, I pretty much wrote all the songs I wrote you know everything, and the good part about Rick coming in and Ronnie coming in they kept you know a lot of the stuff I did, but they also changed stuff and they added their own mix and element to it, so that's why the record now is starting to really the, you know, as the band is now, it's a whole new thing. You get everybody's individual influence. Where at the, if you listen to the early stuff, which I consider the demos, you just kind of get my standpoint on it. So, why don't you uh, name everyone in the band, please? Because I, I was look, I'm looking at the site, and we'll, we'll let's tell everyone it's www.myspace.com/sugarwallmusic. Yeah, I saw the other Sugarwall. That's not you guys. And, uh, <laughs> no, it was not us. <laughs> so it's Sugar Wall of Music and a cool site, lots of good information, a bunch of good. You got the you got the CD there, or well, the music there from Find a Way, excellent new CD, and we got the band schedule, and whatnot, uh, or, or the tour schedule. But I don't see the band members listed. You guys are shy. Well, actually, they should be listed. They should be all on there. Maybe we I'm have. We have if you scroll down a little bit, because we just had that thing revamped, they should be there. Yeah. So let's, if you go down a little bit more on the right-hand side. Um, it, is not, it is not there. We're, on the well, right. either way, you got you got uh, Ronnie D, which is lead vocals, and uh, you got Mitch Mills on guitar, uh, you got Joey Lowe on drums, and you got myself, Rick Barriodil, on bass and vocals as well. Just a good Oh, point. you know what? I just refreshed, and uh, it all appeared. Yes. There you go. Miraculously. Uh, talk about timing. Wow, and there's all your smiley faces. No, you're not shy at all. <laughs> there you are, all wearing shades. Ooh, I like that, except for Ronnie. No, it no was, shades for Ronnie. It was in the desert. Ronnie had more tolerance for his uh, iris and pupils than the rest of us. It was a little early in the desert. And that brings up a great point. That I, I really do associate that kind of that jangly kind of sound we were talking about with the desert. It very much is a southwestern kind of sound, I think. Well, the band actually uh, originated out of, uh, I well, we said Los Angeles, but I, the, the formative years of this band was in Phoenix, Arizona. So uh, I consider the teeth-cutting period Phoenix. And uh, so it's funny that you say that. You yeah, there's a lot of, I love, I love that sound, the kind of the desert sound. You know, you, of course you hear it in the, the Eagles, but uh, but you know, more recent bands like a Calexico, do you know them? I love that band. They have a much more I haven't of, heard those guys. Yeah, they have a more that. of a Mexican influence, but I mean, they're they're you know definitely Americans. It's Southwest, um, kind of a desert sound. Uh, remember the? Uh, I don't even think they were American, but they sure simulated well. The uh, Mojave Three. You heard? Have you heard of them? They're, they're the the desert influences explicit in the name. But uh, no, you guys are – those are more of a um, – those the ones I just named are probably a little more of an ambient kind of sound, and you guys are definitely more of a rock band. But but I love that desert flavor, you know, the kind of the openness and the dry air. And, man, I, I'm uh, – I, I'm a desert rat living in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. <laughs> uh, wow. I'm the biggest Indian fan living, so that's cool. Oh boy, well, then you <laughs> haven't been happy lately. But I am an Indian fan. 
Oh man, lately it's just been oh, all those losses by the bullpen. Oh my god, killing my soul. I didn't mean to get on that. I didn't mean to get on that, but uh, there oh, it's okay. Yeah, I feel the same way you feel. Killing my soul. Well, let's talk about the dates. Looks like you got something coming up uh, uh, starting in August. Do you have anything between now and then? Uh, we've got video shoots, so we'll go ahead, Ricky. Yeah, no, we're shooting uh, this week. We're shooting two videos, so we're getting those done, and um, uh, we're actually. In between now and then is just getting the videos and then getting ready for a big, you know, putting together a run, a fall, long fall tour run. Uh, we do have showcase uh, for uh, an agency, actually. We may be doing work with, actually, uh, they're the booking of this, this tour. Uh, we're, we're going out there to play for them, uh, you know, uh, in personally. Hopefully. Yeah, in Nashville. Hopefully we're going to lock that up by the end of the year. They're called Buddy Lee Attractions, and hopefully they'll be taking over as their booking agency. Ah, well, I love Nashville. We were just there, uh, I don't know, was it three weeks ago, two, three weeks ago? We drove down from Cleveland. It's farther drive than I realized, but, yeah, we had a great time. We went to all the bars, and, you know, women are dancing on the on top of the bars, drunk out of their minds at noon. As they should be. <laughs> yeah, man, this is my kind of town. As they should be, yeah. Dancing yeah, on the we, bars we, we at noon. We seem to want to get there. <laughs> hey, I finally, I can't believe it because man, I am not I am not the techie, but uh I was able to finally get these uh these recalcitrant MP3s to load. So let's check out Better Days by Sugarwall. Let's see. Hope it, hope it works now that I said it will. Oh, now you're messing with me. Who me? Don't, don't do that. Let's try it one more time. Was here. it me or was it no, it's me. Uh, uh, it's it's the uh, first. I couldn't get them to upload. Now they are uploaded. They claim to be uploaded, but they're not letting me play. All right, let's try this. Uh, this will be very low-fi, but let me uh, simply play an MP3 because uh, I got the MP3s. That's what I'm listening to. Let's check out. Uh, Let's check out Video Star, and that means I gotta turn off the. <laughs> gotta turn off the MySpace. <laughs> All right, here we go. This is Video Star, by the way. I love that one. That is that is most sincerely rocking. It is jangly. It is rocking. How'd that sound, by the way? Uh, yeah, I mean it's over the telephone, so you know it's all good. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's cool. Yeah, it's cool. <laughs> thank you for the thank you for the kind words on it. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Video to that song. Uh, that's the first one we're shooting this week. Yeah. Is it? Well, I guess that's appropriate, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that you chose that one. Thank you for the for the plug. Well, I'm I'm uh, I'm I'm tuned in with the infinite. I guess is what it is because you know. All right, let's see now uh, one more time. Let me see if I can get it to really appear. Uh, let's see, is that going to work? No. All right, so uh, we'll 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 chat some more, and I'll I'll try. Maybe maybe it'll appear through legitimate channels. Otherwise, we'll we'll try it. We'll try another one over the phone one more time, I guess. Just to give people a sense of it. Obviously, uh, they they well, hopefully anyway, they know that uh, this is about as low-fi as it gets, but. I think it's important to give people a sense. I mean, I'm sitting here, you know, kind of blabbing away trying to explain what it sounds like. But I, I think a picture is worth a thousand words, so to speak. But, yeah, I think that. And the production's really good. So uh, that was uh, that was you, right? Yes, sir. Now, do you have production background, or was this new? Or, or have you been have you worked with other material, or how did that come about? Uh, yeah, I've been producing for a while, um, and it just sort of uh... – it's kind of it's kind of a long story, but yeah. So I, I mean, I, I do have a production background, and it it's sort of when when the opportunity came to um, when Ronnie demoed the tunes out, it was like okay, well, between the two of us, let's let's you know let's kind of rewrite some of these, let, let and let's really you know take the opportunity because when I came into the band as a bass player, they they had kind of done the first version. The, the, like what Mitch was referring to as the demos, and from listening to him, I was like, well, I, you know, I, I had always kind of felt that I could, I could have pushed him down the road considerably farther. So when the opportunity came up and Ronnie demoed his version on a couple of the tunes for the band before Ronnie, you know, and then the band heard him, and 20 minutes later Ronnie was in the band, um, it was it was like, okay, well then I'll just assume the role of production and do kind of you know everywhere previously that I had been. Listening and saying, "Oh, okay, cool. I could, you know, I could probably push this further and do and do, you know, a little better with this or a little better with this mix or whatever." That was the opportunity for me to go ahead and do it. We were very blessed that he did. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you, I'm always really interested in the production side of things. I was the editor and and uh, author, I guess, of the Encyclopedia of Record Producers for Billboard Books and got the interview. Oh, you know, a lot. We covered, I I think, close to 500 uh, producers, and we actually interviewed, I think, nearly 200 of those. And so, uh, you know, I got to talk to uh, just, you know, the whole width and breadth of some of my favorite producers of of all time and all different styles, you know, just really literally all over the map. So it was really interesting to learn, you know, how people approach things and that – you know, there really isn't any one way. There's so many different techniques, you know, that people use, and some people are much more technically oriented, and others are more vibe oriented, and you know, others more songwriting oriented, on and on. So it, but uh, you know, I, I think to this day, uh, you know, when the book came out ten years ago, we thought that we hoped the time was right for producers to kind of get the recognition that that say movie directors have got, you know. Uh, over the last uh, 20, 30 years, whatever it's been since people really start paying more attention to that, to the directors versus just the people on the screen. And, you know, we, we had hoped that the time was right for um, for music fans to, 
you know, reach a similar level of awareness and interest in producers and and uh, you know, may, maybe now, ten years later, maybe maybe now the time has finally come. We did real well in the in the music industry centers in in L.A. and New York and Nashville, for that matter, Chicago, Cleveland, just because I'm here and the Rock Hall's here, and we, you know, we're pretty well promoted via the Rock Hall. Had a super cool uh, uh, launch with, oh, about 10 of the producers showed up, so that was awfully exciting. Anyway, I'm always interested in it, and uh, I think the production, uh, your guys' production is, is excellent. It's it's lots of energy, and it feels alive, but, um, but you know, it's also really clean, and... Uh, and you have a you know fairly complicated sound because again because of the uh, in particular the guitar you know because it is there's a lot going on there's a lot of there's a lot of jangling going on there man yeah a lot of stacking going on there it's all right Ricky yeah well his tunings too you know I mean it's funny because it it sounds like something you might throw out but as as a thinking point but it really it really you know what's it's it it actually in an area where you know a lot of things have kind of been done. I've never seen anybody tune guitars for, like he'll tune a guitar for a specific song, you know, in, in such a way that, that that you just really can't voice a guitar in standard tuning, or even take your top five rock guitar tunings, you know, won't even be how he's got it tuned. And so what happens is the end result is you definitely get a different sonic. Uh, he's taken up a different part of the of the sonic spectrum. That from a production standpoint, you have to you, you you take that you have to take that in mind, you know, whether it be with EQs or how you're stacking up background vocals or anything like that. So, it really um, it's you know it, it's cool. I, I was I was kind of stoked because I, I tend to be one of those guys that tread both lines. Like I love I love the technical aspect and I can geek out, but I can also get Jack White on you and realize that if you're just you know rolling it a four track tape machine, it's still got to work, you know, with, with no computers. Shut the shut the monitors off, and it's still got to work from an incense and candle standpoint. So um, that's that's you know that tends to be where I love to live is somewhere in between those two. And w- with the guitars and everything in there, it, it actually it was cool. It was you know it it's challenging, but that's what you know that's what when if you're not pulling your hair out a little bit, you're you're not you're not digging. You're not working hard enough. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, where did you record it? Did you record it in L.A.? Uh, it's been recorded all over, actually. Uh, you know, the majority of the record, yes, was recorded in L.A. Uh, the president of uh, the label's no longer there. They were through Universal, uh, Saren J Records. Uh, Ian Faith is one of my best friends, uh, and he was nice enough to let me cut the uh, majority of all the guitar and bass uh, things there uh, when no one was in. They had their own in-house studios, so uh, during uh, you know, Christmas time, uh, they shut down for like three weeks, and he gave me the studio, so I got to go in and do all the guitars and bass there. But we we'd already done the drums, uh, you know, in uh, in LA, uh, awesome audio. We cut in their drum room, so we had the drums there and uh, vocals. Uh, actually, Ronnie did the vocals in uh, in Florida. So yeah, between him and I, uh, kibitzing yeah. back and forth over the internet and sending files back and forth over the internet from Florida, Ronnie cut the vocals here, and then when he was, or, or he cut a, a majority of them in Florida, and then some of the last versions of the songs were cut uh, when Ronnie was here for uh, the photo shoot for the record and for the uh, for the internet stuff and everything. 
Well, that is truly a modern recording then, with yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> geographically <laughs> spread all over the place. Yeah, I, I hear a lot of that because, of course, I always end up asking questions about, especially when people have done their own production is, you know, so how would you do it? And just more and more you hear, you know, this was done here, this was done there. We we toss the files back and forth, you know, via email or whatever. And, and uh, you know, kind of even if it's if it's uh, – if you're going for the the a lower fi kind of sound or more of an organic uh, old school kind of sound, it seems it seems like people are still using, you know, a lot of modern techniques and modern technology. I mean, sure. why not? Really, right? Yeah, it makes sense. I actually I write for Recording Magazine, and um, uh, in the July issue, I actually did. There's a there's an article in there, a feature article about how Ronnie and I did this record from 3,000 miles apart, and um, it's interesting because, you know, it's not even with things such as, uh, you know, like you used to have to FTP it or which kind of could be a pain in the ass. Yeah, a lot or, more effort. Yeah, or you used to have to send DVDs through the mail and things like that, and that's not even the case anymore. A lot of times I'd call in changes before I'd go to bed at 2 o'clock uh, or 3 o'clock in the morning West Coast time, and then by the time I'd wake up, I'd have changes in my inbox by Ronnie. So what I would do is I'd phone in melodies. I'd you know I'd leave. I'd either sing into his answering machine, or I'd give him you know I, I'd play the melody on the piano and give him the with the, the tweaks that I'd want to make or, or or my ideas. And he would you know inevitably I'd wake up and I'd have something in my inbox the, the next day. And it just really it made it made things. It's it's uh, you know it's it's out of convenience. That that was the it's like you work with the you play the hand that you're dealt and and uh, it worked out great. Yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, I asked the right guys the uh, <laughs> the production questions. I'm I'm glad we got into that. As usual, uh, the time goes way 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 too quickly. Really want to thank you guys for calling in. Very interesting. Love the, love the CD. The band is Sugarwall, and uh, where is it available? It's available on your site, right? I assume. What's that? The uh, the CDs available from your site, I assume. Correct. Yeah, you can get it on iTunes. All you got to do is just search, go to iTunes, search for Sugarwall, or uh, Sugarwallband.com will take you to uh, you know will take you to our MySpace site currently. But you can also access you know the, the Facebook site. You can get the the web the uh, disc off of. You can get it off of our Reverb Nation site, which the player on Reverb Nation is actually fantastic. So if, even if you just want to listen to the music in uh, all its glory it's a much better player than the myspace player and the uh, reverb nation player it's free and you can listen to the whole record before you buy it it's all there it's uh, reverbnation.com slash sugarwall wow well you guys are dialed in that's for sure and uh uh not, not to uh emphasize the myspace i'm just happen to be looking at it is all and seeing the the dates and and that kind of thing want to let everyone know you're going out on tour it looks like beginning october 18th san diego Redondo Beach, my old hometown, uh, L.A., San Luis Obispo, San Jose, Portland, Seattle, Boise, Carson City, Nevada, and that's just through August. So it looks like you're going to be real busy. If people want to, uh, they can go to the Reverb Nation site. They can certainly check things out on myspace.com slash sugarwallmusic. All kinds of pictures of the band, hear the music, get the information on uh, the touring and whatnot. Really enjoyed talking with you guys. Wish you the best. Uh, like I said, you kind of are working in one of my favorite styles, that 
that jangly, uh, ultimately neo birdsian kind of sound, but updated certainly for the for the OOs. Gosh, we're almost to the almost to the. What are we going to call it? One the ten, you know. What what is it next yeah. year? To the dimes. Yeah, the dimes. I like that. It sounds kind of like dangerous and druggy. And stuff. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Really, Thank really uh, enjoyed it and really liked the music a lot and wish you nothing but the best. Hey, thanks for the love. I appreciate, appreciate it, man. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. All right. See ya. All righty. So, very excited about that. Enjoyed talking with those guys. We were geeking out on the... Uh, we were geeking out on the production side of things. Uh, I, I always think I'm the one who's going to, uh, you know, have all the terminology down. And, man, they, they blew me away. So that was cool. We had Rick Barrio Dill, bass player, vocalist, and producer. And we had uh, Mitch Mills, guitarist of Sugarwall. All right. Well, let's bring in Philip Wynn, Lisa McKay. And I'm very excited to be talking with Bill and Rebecca about their new book. Who's here? I'm here. Yay, Lisa. We missed you. And oh, Philip is here. And Philip is here. Let's see. I got another call coming in. Is that Bill? And Hello Rebecca? there. Both of us. Yep. And please just call me Becky. Becky. Hi. Becky and Bill. B&B. How are you guys? We're, okay. Actually, we're thinking of getting a bed and breakfast, so it would be in B&B's B&B. Oh, how how redundantly awesome would that be? <laughs> hey, I'm excited about this book. By the way, Bill, has anyone picked this up to review it yet for Blog Critics? Uh, just as of yesterday, I saw uh, saw one of the writers has, has taken it. All right, excellent, excellent. Well, we should let everyone know that Bill Sherman has been writing prolifically and extraordinarily well for blog critics for a long, long time. I know you had a break in there. You were changing jobs and doing this and doing that. In the meantime, I know you guys moved from Illinois to Arizona. And I think, have you been in the same place in Arizona or did you move within Arizona? No, we're still in, we're still in the same uh, desert uh, nowhere, nowhere town. But it's a very nice nowhere town because about, oh, 100 yards behind us is a Wonderful natural hot mineral spring that we can visit anytime we want. Wow. Well, that is cool. I am an aficionado of of hot water on my body. <laughs> hey, you know, Eric, you mentioned that Bill has been writing for a long time, but I, I'm not sure that quite covers it. Bill actually wrote well, no, his first I'm, article. I'm, yes, go ahead. Sorry. Uh, he wrote his first article August 16, 2002. That is... Four days after we launched the site. Virtually day one. Yeah, that's, that's amazing. That is I've amazing. Heard... And, and I also left off, because I interrupted myself, like I always do, that Bill is our comics editor as well. And he, he really has a, he's carved out a, a real niche there. It's, it's a, lot of it's, a lot of the stuff Bill does is, happens to be stuff I really like, especially on the music end. I like comics. I mean, I look at things. I do read... Being in Cleveland here, I gotta I gotta keep up with Harvey Picar, of course. So I, I read his stuff, and uh, you know I do look around, although I am not nearly the uh, aficionado or or don't have the expertise that that Bill has of of all the in the various forms. I know he's into manga and whatnot as well. But uh, but I'm on the music side, power pop, and I, I, I it's that's easy to to 
name, but there's I have in my brain a fairly well-defined parameters of bill cover. Some of it's harder to describe, I suppose. But uh, how would you describe your the parameters of what you cover? But it's pretty much always something I like. <laughs> well, that's it. Always something Eric likes. Uh, well, okay, good. Let's keep it that see, way. See, he knows who he's supposed to butter up. And let's keep it that way. <laughs> No, I just I was just I thought of you, Bill. I just got a um um a package in the mail today and uh uh what company is it? Uh Concord, who has kind of absorbed all these other labels, you know, um uh, T- Telarc and, and Stax and um uh, and uh, uh the Credence label, um uh, Fantasy and uh on on and on. Uh, they just had a huge sale of uh, of SACDs, and I mean, you don't find SACDs, the Super Audio things, for you know all that cheap. Well, they had hundreds of them for five ninety eight. I mean, come on, <laughs> new. And I got the combined Big Star Number One Record and Radio City on oh, yeah. SACD stereo, and it just came in the mail today. You might want to pass them along to us. He would be very, very kind if you do. I know, I know. Well, I, I don't know if they're, they're still having the same sale, but go check out the site. It's really, a, as far as, a, I don't I don't buy from very many label sites. I, I mean, I don't buy that much anyway, but, uh, you know, I get some stuff. Uh, if there's some super-duper sale, like gold box type stuff at Amazon, uh, but this label, they, they really have a good site, and and being that they've absorbed so many other labels, there really is. I mean, it's mostly jazz, but certainly not only. There's a lot of blues, and mm-hmm. um, and then a you know interesting cross section, kind of almost seems random cross section of rock. Of course, they have Credence and all, but uh, but they do have the. Uh, the big star, but yeah, go yeah. check it out because uh, I'm not sure if the sale's still going on or not. But I mean, if you can find SACDs, and of course they play on these are all hybrids, so they all play on regular CD players too. But I mean, anything new for 5.98, I mean, you can't beat that. No, you're right. <laughs> so I'm just letting you know. All right, so tell us about the book. I'm actually looking at the um, the page on the Pearl Song Press. For Measure by Measure by Rebecca Fox and William Sherman. Sherman. William, William, uh, your middle name isn't Tecumseh, is it? Uh, Robert. Uh, Thank goodness. Oh, okay. He's going to let me go first. Um, in 1996, Bill and I started writing um, what was a romantic serial on Dimensions Online magazine. We had just come back from a uh, science acceptance uh, convention up in Chicago, got around all of these wonderful, fabulous people, and uh, we got inspired to write something. And it was kind of as an anodyne to uh, us traveling back and forth. We had to go pretty much every weekend. My mom was feeling not well and was aging poorly, and... So we had to drive a 100-mile round trip every weekend. And instead of just kind of looking at each other and watching the soybean fields go by, we decided to start writing this little story. And every couple of months we'd put up a chapter, and we came up with a, a nice stable of characters that were 
very diverse in, in their, um, the way that they looked at life, but all of them either were full-figured or loved full-figured people or, on the other hand, hated full-figured people. And we just kind of or threw both. Pardon? Or both. Or both, yeah. It, it can yeah. be that sort of a way. A yeah. complex psychologically. Yeah, well, you know, this, this thing with the fat acceptance movement is that it cuts across every racial, age, sexual, whatever. Uh, everything, every people have fat people in them, and every fat person knows what every other fat person has pretty much gone through. And so we came at it with a kind of a light and sprightly, sudsy sort of a thing. We were, we were using uh, Armistead Mopen's Tales of the City kind of as our model. Ah. Since we were doing, he, he originally published that uh, in serialized form in a San Francisco paper, and we were doing it in serialized form on this website. And actually, initially, it was coming out every other week. After a while, uh, we slowed down on it until we got to 100 chapters. And at, at 100 chapters, we knew where we wanted to be. We wanted to end with a big positive event, a big epilogue event, a celebration. And so we wrapped it up. Uh, once we had it all there, we, it, it stayed on the site for about two more years. People could sit, find it, but we wanted to get it in print. Yeah, we had enough friends that were saying, come on now, it's really uncomfortable reading this on the computer screen. Will you please find a publisher? Philip uh, could address that. that subject. We talked about that last week, but that's got a side alley. Well, what's funny, though, if you look at it now, it started on a computer in the late 90s, and now it's in paperback, or, you know, in trade paperback, but... You can get it on Kindle now. Sure. Full circle, huh? People were doing it. Full <laughs> circle. Well, man, that is so exciting. Congratulations to you both. What a, what a great way that it got started. What a, what a what a wise use of your time, obviously, instead of, like you say, just sitting there watching the the prairie uh, uh, go by or, or, you know, to, to use that time creatively and uh, – that is so interesting. I, I love the beginning of the description here. When blonde Rubenesque, <laughs> I love that, paralegal Jenny Taylor is coaxed by her boss, Lissa, to dance, to a dance, uh, sponsored by the Midwestern chapter of RAD, of RADFAM, a national fat advocacy organization. This wild new romantic world throws her into a spin. Yeah, RADFAM stands for Respect and Dignity for Fat Americans. But we we liked the name because it also had the the uh, sound of family in there, and there's a whole degree to which a lot of what goes on in relates to family issues. Uh, Jenny, as the character, as we have two main characters who are, are really kind of our entryway into this whole world, and Jenny is one of them. The other is a, a te the teacher, Paul Daly, uh, and. But Jenny deals with the family issues, a mother who tells her, you know, she's not going to get any man unless she loses weight, that kind of thing. The she might as well be a lesbian because no man would ever love her. Yeah, that kind of stuff. Uh, but also the Well, that wasn't nice. <laughs> well, <laughs> but I heard those exact words when I was growing up. From so, your own yeah, mother? From my mom, yeah. Oh, boy. Yeah. 
Yeah. Hey, I just realized. I just realized. Uh, I am. I am uh, again. Uh, kind of dominating things, and I really meant to turn it over to uh, Lisa and Philip. So, Lisa, wh- I, I, why don't you take over uh, running the show, dear? Sure. Um, you know, I just, Hi, Lisa. Say I, I just want to say that I would not even have known that you guys published this book had Bill not tweeted. Hello, Lisa. You're cracking up. Hello. Twitter just brings people together. It's a wonderful thing. Oh, what happened? The techno- we, 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 we can't really hear what Lisa was saying. It was breaking up. Ah. Um, okay, well... Uh, Can you hear me now? Yes, that's better. Okay. You got what, the cat off of the, the phone? What, what she said was that she wouldn't have even known about the book if you, Bill, had not tweeted it. <laughs> Well, self-promotion is better than no promotion at all, from what I've heard. (laughs) Yeah, we've been trying to use as many different internet kinds of, uh, you know, venues as possible to get the word out. Well, that's (laughs) going on to uh, size acceptance web boards and stuff, and letting them know about it. And not only (laughs) not only them, but uh, there are some very strong. Um, gay-related. There are quite a few gay people in the book, and uh, we have contacted gay uh, GLBT organizations to let them know about it because everyone has tried to be, we try to put them in as positive a light as we can, and we love who we love. We are the size that we are, and uh, when we are diminished in any way, it just makes uh, the world poorer for that. I want to I want to talk a little bit about the book, and then I'd really like to get back to the fat acceptance thing because they're both separate and interesting topics. Um, I'm really fascinated that you wrote this together because I can't imagine writing with another person. Actually, Lisa, it was very easy. Um, Not always, <laughs> but we made it as easy as we could anyway. Well. Bill is uh, the noun and verb guy. He, he writes the, the structure of it, the skeleton, and then I flesh it out as only a good-sized girl can do, and I add my adjectives and my adverbs and subjunctive clauses and interjections and whatever, and uh, then I'd hand it back to him, and he'd um, ungirlify it somehow, and uh, it just it worked out very well. We compromised, and... He would do, um, he tended to do evil things to the people that I really liked. And I'd say, no, honey, you can't do that to them. But it made for a, a wonderfully uh, diverse sort of uh, an attempt to make something good out of it. Like I said, we did the, we did the plotting in the car. A lot of the plotting, we, I, I'd be sitting there with a notepad while Becky would drive and uh, just say, throw out ideas and, does this sound good? And then I would then I would go we go I go home and I would write the first draft and pass that on to Becky and she would take that and like you say, girlify it, revise it, add more to it, and then I would go back and hone it down a little. But there were a few instances where we had to do that a couple of times just because 
we'd still get into disagreements about what we were trying to say. Yeah. Not often. Not. Thanks. So, well, how did you well, how did you solve those conflicts? Some wrestling. No, no, no. He he slept many a night on the couch. No, not that either. Uh, we just we just basically uh mud wrestling. Oh, yeah, there you go. Pudding wrestling. Well, you got the you got the uh, the hot springs right there. <laughs> well, the thing is that um, it was important for us to find the right voice for it, and so much better than we are separately. Um, Bill is a a strong uh, writer, and I'm a. I'm not as good as him, but he we are better together. You're a storyteller. <laughs> I'm an essayist. He's a journalist, yeah. <laughs> but we just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary yesterday, and we haven't killed each other off yet. So Well, congratulations. I think, yeah, I think we've got a pretty good team here. Occasionally, though, you know, it's, it's hard in, in any kind of writing where you have to, uh, you know, so that Hemingway said, murder your darlings. Mm-hmm. And we, we occasionally killed each other's darlings. Yeah. So do you, you think you're going to do this again? Oh, we're starting a sequel. Oh, excellent. Yeah. Yep. Very good. So in fact, it's the first time we've done it in about, you know, about three years, so we're just, we just started on the first chapter, and it's like, oh. How much did you modify the book version from the, the web version? Oh, uh, well, that that was primarily my task. Uh, we had a couple of things that the publisher wanted us to do. Uh, well, the other thing of it was, we were, since we were writing it as a serial on a month-by-month basis, there were plot lines we started that never went anywhere. And so we basically got rid of those. <laughs> the other big piece that I ran into was... Uh, it's set in nine, it's set in the time when we started around 1996-97 over a two-year period, uh, but we wrote it into you know the 21st century, and so a lot of anachronism started popping up. So I found myself having to go back in and saying, no, that movie wasn't out then. <laughs> you know? Oh, and he but, hates when anything isn't right. I mean, this is the guy that goes to movies and just. Whispers in my ears. Well, that music wouldn't have been that year. Or why does this do this? You know. And <laughs> yeah, really. When I watched uh, what was it, the British show uh, Life on Mars, when they had something out, you know, it was supposed to take place in the 70s, and they had something out of the time frame. I go, wait a minute, that's that's not there. And he'd get on, he'd blog to somebody. I don't know. You know, so, one of my favorite examples of that is is the soundtrack to Grease. <laughs> you want to talk oh, yeah. about something that exists? In some bizarre time frame of its own, you know. It's uh, an alternative universe it's where Greece exactly is the word, but not particularly. Right, exactly. And an interesting combination of styles and all sort of run through a, a Broadway ringer or something, you know. But anyway, yeah, it, uh, I... I, I I'm that way too, you know. If a, if a movie in particular is supposed to be taking place at a certain time, you know, how, how how dare they bring in music, you know, created, especially when they're using pop songs. I mean, it's one thing if it's just a film score, right? Okay, that's you, you can take more liberties stylistically, I think that way. But if you're using actual pop songs, 
you know, that people know when they record, or were recorded, or certainly ones that have a, you know, kind of a, a time set in 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 your mind of when they came out or stylistically, you know, it, it's uh, I, I don't understand why they do that. They, you know, why drop in something twenty years out of place? Honey, uh, it's called laziness. <laughs> and there's always <laughs> licensing issues, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, it takes work to check that stuff out. I spent I spent a lot of time just, for instance, checking out movie when movies were released on the internet. You know, using some of the, you know, the websites that uh, listed them month by month in terms of releases, just to make sure I had them happening at the right time. Another thing we did in terms of revision, uh, initially since we were doing it for, uh, on, you know, on a monitor, and we did all kinds of funky things with uh, with fonts that the publisher said, nah. <laughs> That doesn't work. No, Take that all out. Yeah. So I uh, had to go back in and rearrange, you know, turn it into more regular text. And there was also a, a chapter that uh, that worked. It was uh, online. It's a it's a speech that a character gives in the middle of a in the middle of a, a convention that uh, in a book just kind of just stuck out like a really big sore thumb because the whole the oh, lead in did, the lead in didn't uh, make any sense. There was no real lead in to it. So I had to we had to rewrite that speech to make it more consistent with the voice of the rest of the uh, of the book, and also get audience reaction to what the speaker was saying. And that was hard to just kind of drop those in. Where do you drop them? Where don't you? How should they react? Should it be a you know an actual whisper to somebody? Should it be mm -hmm. a nudge? But we wanted to show our characters responding in various ways. So. Uh, those, those are some, those are the big revisions. Yeah, but you, Eric, as a music guy, I think you would enjoy a lot of what Bill added. Many scenes have music playing in the background, and quite often, uh, size positive, uh, like Howlin' Wolf and some of the other uh, Sapphire, the Uppity Blues Women, some of their songs. And uh, he had a wonderful time with that. I kind of Romeo Boyd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> now he he. It, you'll find all sorts of them in there. Yeah, I, I remember. I remember reading a rather impassioned. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, I don't know what to call it. Uh, reminiscence about uh, about from Bill on uh, on Deborah. How do you pronounce her last name? Is it Ile? Ile. Ile. Yeah. About uh, about about old Deborah there and uh, his uh, his former feelings uh, for her. Well, he definitely likes his women with all curves and all the right places. <laughs> well, that brings uh, I I know Lisa mentioned it and then once again I'm I'm jumping in. I just I I'm concerned about uh Philip, have you had any problems hearing Lisa? I'm hearing her okay, but I, I but there is some I'm hearing kind of like some phasing going on. It's almost like it, it just it just sounds like a speakerphone issue basically. Uh unfortunately uh -huh. since since they're using a speakerphone when they speak, it, it drowns out anyone else. But that's, you know, I don't think there's much of a way around it. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, just before we run out of time, because we're, we're already up to the, uh, ay, 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 uh, 654 um, uh, time, uh, t just about the whole, uh, the whole fat acceptance, um, size positive, all the various. I like I like the euphemisms. I'm I'm digging them hard. Uh, all all the various ways that it can be put. Uh, you know that whole movement and and uh, it sounds like you guys are 
probably fairly prominently placed within that movement. We have a long history with size acceptance. Um, when I met him in 1982, I had no idea there was such a thing and had grown up as not a, I wouldn't call me a fat girl. I'm just a, a big boned, as my doctors call me, and um, I just thought that no one would ever fall in love with me, and we met at a wedding, and it was lust at first sight, and it grew into love, and we've been together since. So he introduced me to the idea that there are people out there that are willing to live their lives at whatever size they are and live their lives well, and uh, we've really embraced that. Over the years, I've done um, size acceptance body esteem workshops at libraries and, and nursing student, you know, uh, sociology classes in the university, uh, juvenile detention centers where I go in and I say, you know, not all of us are meant to be, ha you know, our souls are riding around in a vehicle. And my vehicle just happens to be a Hummer and I wouldn't want to <laughs> be in a Cujo. Uh, and, you know, I, I try to tell people that you make the best of what you have and live every life to the, you know, every day to the fullest and don't put off doing what you want to do because everyone tells you you, you can't do it because you're too big. How big a problem psychologically is this in America today? Oh, I think it's a tremendous problem. I think when you have women of average size consider themselves fat, you have women all kinds of body dysmorphia issues in terms of how big they perceive themselves are because we're getting that message again and again that the ideal you know, uh, female shape is a swizzle stick. Uh, one of the other things about the size acceptance movement that really attracted us in terms of this book even too is that it is, it, it is one of the few political movements that's also a very strong social movement in that there are people who advocate uh, for size-related issues, for things like uh, airlines trying to charge two tickets for people. Adoptive parents not being able to adopt children because they're perceived as not being able to do the job. Because they're, because they're, quote, too fat. But there's also a big social dynamic, and that's part of the book. The, uh, the movement has largely funded itself on things like dances and events, social events that bring people together. For a lot of large people, the size acceptance movement is the place they end up meeting the people they fall in love with. So it, it has two it has two uh, two prongs there the the political and the, and the social and we wanted to talk look at both parts of that in the story. The social is about where the where the fun stuff comes in. But, <laughs> where the, you get act, the, but the activism is the hard work and uh, and trying to move forward so future generations don't grow up hating themselves. So there's references to that within the book, although, like I say, the focus is on the romance, the entanglements, the betrayals, the, the soapy stuff. But, it, but uh, it, it's still there. It's still a part of the, the whole story. Do you find with a lot of people that uh, because of this social pressure that, that they're, the problems that they have psychologically with the social pressure about their size, in fact, leads to them being even bigger. Is, is that a fairly common yes. thing? Yes, yes it does. Uh, the other piece of that is, is the, the, the phenomenon of people dieting themselves up to larger sizes. We know, you know... Well, that's uh, perverse. 
Well, yeah. but it happens because we know that a lot of times when people diet, their body sees itself as going into starvation mode. And what it does when it does that is it starts to preserve. <clears throat> and so as soon as they go off of the diet, their capacity to gain weight increases. So they end up dieting themselves fatter. Yeah. It pisses off all those little fat cells we already have, and they say, give me more, more, more. Ay, 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 ay. Well, I would think then that coming to terms with, you know, kind of who you are w- would in fact um, not only be psychologically healthy, obviously, and socially healthy, uh, people not sequestering themselves away and um, killing themselves with, with self-loathing, uh, but, but that also it's probably a, a lot physically healthier to, you know, kind of come to terms with who you are and, and, and be that person. As long as you're as long as you're working on living healthily by you know, exercising, eating appropriately, by doing good things for yourself, that's a lot better than getting into that weird spiral of you know fad diet, go go off the fad diet, go on new fad diet. Yeah, you uh, everyone has known that girl usually who has gone on some sort of a, a extreme diet, and yet she goes and eats a pizza on the weekend and hates herself. You know, until she starts on the diet again, either with drugs or any of the various other ways to do it. And 95% of all diets, in quotations, fail within two years. And most of them gain more back. And uh, so it's just, I have stayed the same weight for the last 25 years uh, just because that's where my body's comfortable. I stopped dieting. And that's when you just come to the realization that I'm as good as I'm going to get and I'm going to just go out there and accomplish what I can and the rest of the people that say that I'm not worth it be damned. Well, I, the, the, the other thing that I've heard a lot of about is that, um, you know, fairly extreme and certainly quick weight loss or weight gain is unhealthy in and of itself. So simply the fact that you've stayed about the same weight for that long is, is surely a good sign and is probably a lot healthier than having gone up and down over that period of time. Well, it's all this good love and I'm getting from my sweetie. <laughs> uh, Lisa, once again, I, I apologize for, for interrupting. We, we are at 7.01. We can certainly go on a bit longer. Um, do, Lisa or Philip, do you have any more questions or anything you want to discuss? I just I was really happy to hear you talk a little bit about the health aspects of it because I think one of the criticisms that that gets leveled at the movement uh, is that you're basically encouraging people not to be healthy, and I think that's from what I've read and from what you guys are talking about, that's really kind of an unfair an unfair criticism. Am I right? Yeah, we. We believe that. Uh, that, but again, there is the, the diet industry right now is a multi-million-dollar industry. Billion, billion, billion. Okay. <laughs> you know, so there are people with a vested interest in keeping that going. And okay. Yeah, another book that I'd strongly suggest uh, that I read right before ours was printed uh, was Cameron Mannheim's "Wake Up, I'm Fat," and she goes through all of the the self-denigration, all of the put-downs, you know, all of the things that people told her she couldn't accomplish. 
and as I put in the dedication to the book, um, I thanked all the people that told me I couldn't do this thing because I was fat. I, I couldn't ever accomplish anything because of my size. And that just pissed me off enough so that I proved them wrong. I've been a model. I've been a motivational speaker. And now I'm an author with a book. And if they're reading it, they probably bought it. And thank you very much. <laughs> Excellent. Sounds like a good attitude. Hey, let, we sh- is there a better place to refer people to, uh, description-wise or, or whatever, than, than the Pearl Song uh, site? Um, anything better than that? Right, right now, Pearl Song is the best one. Uh, it's, it's available on Amazon and on uh, Hastings.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Excellent. Yes, we have a link to it right on the right on the show page. We got a link to the Amazon version of it. Let's tell people the Pearl Song address. It's www.pearlsong, just like it sounds. dot com slash measure by measure dot htm and i'm sure if you just get to the pearl song press site you can just put in measure by measure if you forget um some aspect of it or or the or our our author's names rebecca fox rebecca slash becky fox that's it and william slash bill sherman (laughs) well eric um if there's any question about the title of the book we did not steal it from Shakespeare. It's not measure for measure. For measure. <laughs> it's measure by measure. And it comes from the uh, slogan of the RADFAM organization, which is measure worth beyond girth. And I think that's the entire <laughs> story of that book. I it's, love that. I, I, I love a good rhyme <laughs> and a slogan. Well, it was it was important, and it just kind of fell apart, or not fell apart, fell together the way it was supposed to. And we're just very, very proud of our baby. It took us 13 years now to birth it, and we got it done, and we're very, very proud. Well, congratulations. I, I, it sounds sounds great. I would like to, certainly to read it uh, myself. It sounds like it's a lot of fun and interesting, and there's a you know serious. Um, point to be made as well, but it sounds like you make it in a in a fun and interesting and, and easy to read manner. And congratulations! Well, thank you very very much, all of you, for taking time to talk to us today. Yeah, congratulations, and you know, uh, it would sure would be nice to meet you guys in Las Vegas at the Blog World Expo this year. So yeah, you're not all that far. <laughs> Well, it's uh, about 500 miles one way, but I think we could do it. Yeah, really that far? Wow. Yeah, we're down in the southeast corner. It's closer to New Mexico than anywhere else here. Uh, Everything's bigger in the west. Mm -hmm. You're right. (laughs) Yep, but that's okay. It's pretty to look at when you're driving instead of those cornfield and hog confinement sheds. Yeah, I love the desert. I love the southwest. Well, come visit us. Well, we my parents have a a condo in uh, uh, outside Phoenix in Fountain Hills, and so uh, we do go. You know, at least every other year or so. We were there last um, Thanksgiving. 
Well, let us know when you're going to be in the area because we'd love to show off our town. I I will certainly do so. I'm not sure when. Uh, I guess I'm kind of waiting to hear what the schedule is. I don't think we're going to be there for either of the big holidays this year. I'm not sure though. But uh, yes, I certainly I certainly will do that. Uh, I did check in with Bill, but I, you guys were kind of in transition at the time, and and it was farther than I had realized. And oh yeah, you know, on and on and on. But anyway, thanks so much for checking in. I'm, I'm glad we got someone lined up to review it. Certainly, we will we will do our best to uh, to spotlight that. And uh, who, who's the reviewer? Do you remember? Do you know? Uh, Kavanaugh is that right? I can't remember. I can't remember the first name. I don't know. Robin. Robin Kavanaugh. Robin? Yeah, I think. I yeah. think so. Well, I'm sure she'll do a good job. Well. Uh, anything will be great, and to your listeners out there or anyone there at the Blog Critics, if you know Oprah Winfrey's private number, will you please let us know? <laughs> yeah, I would think she would have an interest on several on several levels, shall we say. Well, the Chicago one would be a big one for her because it is in a mythological Midwest large metropolitan area on the Lake Michigan. <laughs> So, and it's not as though she hasn't had some of the same issues. Oh, oh, no. that's for sure. Actually, there is a uh, there is a talk show uh, hostess in the sh- in the book who has gone up and down in weight and is quite um, conflicted as to what she believes is right when it comes to size. Minor right. character, she does show up. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah. that oh, seems like yeah, a good angle. Oh, there are many, many very fun little uh, diversions and contretemps. It's it's a lot of fun. Well, we certainly wish you the best and hope it does really well. And, uh, again, congratulations. It's really a great accomplishment. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. And blessings to all of you blog people out there because you've given Bill a lot of really fun stuff to do when he couldn't afford to go out and buy it himself. Oh, I'm glad. I'm, I'm That's... That's the kind of stuff we like to hear because, you know, it's not like we can pay a whole lot at this point. But, you know, if we can make people's lives better, that's that's pretty good. We'll have to settle for that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to get going because, you know what, i got to go to the pool to have my hair cut. Oh, well, have fun at the pool getting your hair cut. I will. See you it'll, again. It'll be interesting. Okay, farewell. Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye. Nice talking to you.